What's going on, Bears fans, and welcome back to another short Barely a Podcast, as myself, Robert Schmitz, and Bill Zimmerman are here, as Ryan P. has hired Matt Eberflus as his Chicago Bears head coach. Bill, how you doing today? What's your initial reaction? I'm, I'm doing all right, and and look, here, here's what I'm going to say, and, and I know Bears fans right now want me to go running through a brick wall and saying this is the best hire, this is what now, I'm excited for Ryan Poles. But with, with Eberflus right now, I am in a wait-and-see approach. Um, I hear a lot of positive things. Obviously, we know what he did defensively in Indianapolis. But as a head coach, I've kind of learned, I think, that we need to see what translates. Now, look, from what I know about this guy, he's going to be hard on the guys in practice. This is not going to be, you know, a, a country club mentality. These guys are going to be practicing hard. He expects the best out of people. I think the city of Chicago is going to like him at the podium and his attitude about how he wants his football team to be prepared and ready each week. But I also know that, you know, this is a first time head coach. And when you have first time head coaches, you don't know how they're going to translate to that CEO role. And of course, the big question, the biggest question on everyone's mind is who will be the offensive coordinator to develop Justin Fields? And that's an answer we don't have yet. Totally. And it's frankly not something that we're particularly able to speculate. I mean, if you want to go through coaching trees, you'll get ringing names like Jason Garrett. But I mean, Bill, that's not how things work in the modern NFL. Guys are more tied to who do they know through who do they know? How do like who does their agency know? Who who do the guys that represent them have connections to? And so maybe we'd have to go digging through a little bit more there to COC names, but at the same time, there's an aspect of, you know what, we can take a breath, we can wait and see, and we will get an answer. But I will tell you, Bill, that I feel so between feelings about Matt Eberflus as the head coach because on one hand, I mean, between the three finalists, Jim Caldwell, who hadn't finished coaching a full season in four years at the ripe age of 67, Dan Quinn, who, yes, he made a Super Bowl, but the fallout that came from there, from that moment in Atlanta, is not something to behold. On the other end, you get this guy who's preparation-oriented, like you were talking about, and he's never been fired from head coach before. So you don't necessarily know that there was a reason that drove him to failure the first time. Does that make sense? Where you look yeah, at some no, of these guys. Sense. Absolutely. That's that's the way I heard somebody describe it once, that we can sometimes prop up head coaching experience like it's a positive, but it also means that a guy lost his job once, and who's to say he wouldn't lose it again? Now, you mentioned this. There's real cause for, I wouldn't call it worry, but at the very least anxiety when it comes to who's his OC choice going to be with any of these defensive hires. Let's take Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, right? Very recent example. If Matt Canada isn't up to snuff, Mike Tomlin's the guy who pays for it. And technically also Canada, but that's how life is with a defensive-minded head coach. Then again, after years of false starts, uh, illegal snaps, like illegal motions, guys that couldn't get lined up at the line of scrimmage, I'll be the first to say I'm not disappointed at the idea of a team that can at least line up correctly before they get the snap off. Yeah, look, and I, I, I think you're right on that. I think that's going – I think we're going to see a far more disciplined team based on on how he he runs things in in the locker room but look 
there there are absolutely question marks and the offensive coordinator as you said there there are names that you can throw out there there are names you know of of people that haven't had you know opportunities yet and you know could get promoted into an offensive coordinator role um you know the one name i saw recently was um and now i'm drawing a blank the um Philadelphia Eagles passing game court, Kevin Petullo, the Philadelphia Eagles passing game coordinator. That was a name that, that was thrown out. You know, Pep Hamilton's a name we're going to see. There's going to be all these different names, and, and we just don't know exactly how they're going to, uh, you know, mesh with, with fields, and that's going to be just something we're going to have to see develop as we get into this season. And, and I wanted to go back to one thing you mentioned about, you know, trying to connect the dots to coaches and offensive coordinators and who they can be. And I want to actually wind the clock back to the beginning of December when Olin Krutz and Lance Briggs and some of these guys threw out that they were hearing about a, a potential president of football ops. And then it came out a little bit later that that name was Trace Armstrong. And obviously that was a report that was not accurate. But the one thing I will say in terms of about speaking to Trace Armstrong, Trace Armstrong has his tentacles on this Chicago Bears franchise and has for a while. Matt Nagy, Eberflus, I mean, these are these are Trace Armstrong guys. And I think looking at Trace Armstrong's clients and who he has is there's a much better chance that that's going to be our connection as to who the offensive coordinator is going to be than necessarily, oh, well, you know, these two guys were together in Buffalo or these two guys were together in Dallas or, you know, whatever it might be. I know that's how a lot of us like to connect the dots. And those dots do connect that way a lot. But we cannot diminish the role that potentially Trace Armstrong has with this front office and ownership group. Absolutely. And one thing that'll be really interesting, you've talked about offensive coordinator a little bit. I'll talk about the name. Another hard thing, I think, when it comes to OC in particular. Look, I don't want to say that the NFL is flush with really well-regarded defensive defensive coordinators and defensive coordinator candidates. But, I mean, with the just, let's call it, hunger for quality offense in the modern NFL, most offensive coordinators are either going to be somebody that you've heard of that doesn't sound inspiring, but or somebody that you've never heard of that's very young and hasn't called plays before. I'll use an example that I don't think will land in Chicago, but there are going to be plenty of people that would be turned off by a Mike McDaniel type. And the offensive coordinator in the 49ers uh, environment hasn't called plays before, so on and so forth. I'm curious to see where Eberflus is going to pull his guy from, but like you're saying, I think there's a decent shot that we're not going to have heard of them, and if we are, I think there'll be some hesitation, but honestly, with Justin Fields, I just want to see fresh eyes on him, a team that is orchestrated well enough to where Fields knows his responsibility on each individual play, and if anything, I think we haven't, because we haven't talked about this yet, Bill. I'm curious to see what they do on the defensive end because the Bears would be switching if they went full sail into Eberflus's philosophy. They'd be switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3, which isn't that radical of a change. But I definitely think Darius Leonard and Roquan Smith are different enough players that it makes you cock your head and wonder... What is going to happen here? Because those linebackers are on the field a lot in Indianapolis, but at the same time, it's not like he took the job thinking, I'm going to overhaul the whole defense with, what, half of an offensive line, one wide receiver, one tight end, and the paltry offensive personnel that they've got in Chicago, you know? Yeah, and look, and 
the the conversion from the three four to the four three, uh, you know, assuming that's that is what happens, and, and I don't, there's no reason to think that that won't happen. Uh, going to be interesting. Now, now Eberflus is another one of these guys, and this isn't surprising. That sits in nickel most of the time, of as course. most defensive teams do. So that's that's obviously the kind you know that's that's nickel is the new base, as we know. We 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 talk about it all the time, and when you do look at you know the the defensive personnel, you know. This is something that potentially could benefit Eddie Jackson and get him back to where he was a couple of years ago. Mac and Quinn are both guys that like their hands in the dirt. They should be able to, to be a, a 4-3 defensive end. Okay. You know, Roquan Smith, where is he going to fit in? Is he going to go weak side linebacker? Is he going to go middle linebacker? How do they see him in, in that potential role? That's going to be interesting. What can they do at cornerback? Because we know other than Jalen Johnson that you there's not a lot there. So, you know, look, the, the issue with the Bears, and this is, you know, Ryan Poles is already fi- trying to figure this out. We know the holes they have. And it's not one or two, it's multiple. It's on both sides of the ball. This isn't a one-year fix as far as I'm concerned. Unless Justin Fields comes in year two and is playing like Patrick Mahomes MVP season, we're going to see a Chicago Bears team that, is going to struggle. Now they could improve a little bit. Their their schedule should let up a little bit. Uh, and I mentioned this to someone, if they can in essence keep the roster parallel to this year, right? Like you add a couple guys, you lose a couple guys, the talent level is approximately the same, but Justin Fields takes a big jump with a softer schedule, you could be looking at a, a 6 and 11 team that can get up to 8 9 wins and if Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC North, that's going to have them in the mix for the division title eight and nine without Aaron Rodgers could win the NFC North. That's what we're looking at. That's how weak this division potentially could be. So while I don't expect there to be some magical fix where all the holes get filled and Justin Fields is an MVP and the bears go 12 and five, I do think the bears can potentially if Eberflus and, and polls, you know, get out, get out of the gate running well, that can improve two or three games, which might be enough for a postseason in 2022. Right. I mean, Bill, that's what I think is so funny about this scenario is I feel like we sound like typical Bears homers, right? Oh, new GM, new coach. Bears are going to be in the mix for the division next year. But, I mean, (laughs) we're looking at a division that could lose its clear-cut best quarterback, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, who's likely to take a different approach to GMing in Minnesota, might just start the rebuild early if he can get a decent deal for Kirk Cousins, and that would suddenly make Justin Fields, at least I think, far and away the best quarterback in the NFC North. And hey, you win six games inside your division, maybe five, for instance, and a couple of games of the rest of the schedule, you're nine and eight and doesn't make you a good football team. Doesn't mean that you would do well in the playoffs, but I mean, a division's a division, right? When you win the NFC East or what was it? The AFC East a couple of years ago, you still win in a division. So we'll see what happens. I know when it comes to Eberflus, to circle back to it, I'm much higher on him than I think I was on Quinn in particular, who was the name I found myself talking myself into. It sure felt like reports were trending in that Quinn direction, but he struggled. Quinn struggled as a game manager, and I tend to hope that Eberflus is going to be ready for it. But what has me more intrigued than anything, Bill, is after the long interview process that was, from what we know, led entirely by the new GM, Ryan Poles, Eberflus most matched up to what Poles' methodology was, and if nothing else, I am dying to know how they think they can fix this team. You know what I mean? A lot of ways they could go here. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's look, the 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 off season here, which you know, we're just basically starting in, in what about five, six weeks with, with NFL free agency is going to be fascinating for Chicago. And it's going to be fascinating ahead of time, too, because Ryan Poles now is going to be have to be doing a, a, a snap evaluation on this roster. James Daniels, you know, uh, you know, extending David Montgomery, extending Roquan Smith. I mean, these are decisions on an inherited roster. And, and I'll go back to Ryan Pace and we can say all we want about what Ryan Pace is and, and what his issues were. Ryan Pace looked at Phil Emery's roster and shredded it to pieces. He kept McManus and he kept O'Donnell on special teams. He kept Kyle Fuller defensively and he kept Charles Leno and Kyle Long. And that is it. He brought in new people everywhere else. So there are going to be Bears players that you like as a Bears fan. I'll throw out Cole Komet because Cole Komet's a pretty controversial guy on, on Bears Twitter. A lot of Bears fans like him. A lot of Bears fans don't see it. If Ryan Poles doesn't see it with Cole Komet, I'm not saying he's gone because he may be looked at as serviceable for his last, you know, two years on his rookie. They'd have contract. to have a replacement for him if he was going to be but gone. Ryan Poles may look at it and go, this guy we are not building around. He may look at David Montgomery. I don't know what Ryan Poles' concept is on running backs. Based on what I've seen in Kansas City, um, they don't sit there and, and commit to a running back. So, you know, could – Ryan Poles be like, I'm not re-signing David Montgomery. I don't commit, you know, $10, $12 million a year to a running back and just let him go. And Khalil Herbert comes in. There's a whole lot of question marks that we don't know where we sit there as Bears fans and go, well, Darnell Mooney, well, Justin Fields is going to be around. That we know. Ryan Poles isn't taking this job unless he thinks Justin Fields is a quarterback of the future. That we know. But other than that, you know, we're just assuming that Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery and Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson and, and all these guys are going to be a part of this team moving forward. And they most likely are, but you don't know what Ryan Poles is evaluating. This is Ryan Pace's roster. And now it has to become Ryan Poles's roster. So what they do before free agency in free agency in the draft is going to be a fascinating watch to see this roster transform from a pay, from a pace roster to a polls roster. And you know, it's so funny, Bill. The last note I'll have, because look, we could get into a light free agency preview. We're too early for that. We could get into a light draft preview. We're too early for that. And a bunch of other WCGers, me and Jeff Burkus in particular, are going to be at the Senior Bowl next week. So we'll get there. But what I do feel like we can finish on, Bill, because you kind of mentioned it this, but the Bears head into this offseason with a very strange roster sap, er, cap salary, salary cap scenario ahead of them, where they basically have half of a roster's worth of guys under contract, like 25, 26 contracts, and 72 million in cap space, but a lot of roster spots to fill. To call them holes isn't even fair. There's just not a guy there right now. <laughs> but, you know, that actually presents a pretty interesting opportunity for a team that's potentially switching schemes, if only a little bit, going from like cover two, four, three man match to cover three, or cover two, three, four man match with a little pattern action to cover two, four, three man match. They're similar, right? Um, but the Bears have this opportunity to fill what Eberflus would do, or Eberflus decides is the needs through a free agency before going and finding more primo guys in the draft. But hey, we'll see how he and Poles decide that they're going to finish this out. As far as a final thought goes, ultimately, are you happy with the hire where where you're at? Yeah, like like I'm I'm I'll say this: I'm pleased with the hire. 
I don't want to go gung-ho. I went gung-ho for Matt Nagy when they hired him. I bought into the Andy Reid tree and everything and obviously got burned as, as, as a fan. So I'm going to go into this cautiously optimistic, very curious, as I said before, about the offensive coordinator spot. And based on the finalists, right, Eberflus versus Jim Caldwell, like if they brought him in as a quarterback coach, assistant head coach kind totally of Totally different. Right. Experience, fine, wonderful. No interest in Jim Caldwell as a head coach, even though his record as a head coach is pretty good. He probably shouldn't have been fired in Detroit. It just it just happened the way it was. And he got fired in Indianapolis because Peyton Manning got hurt. And then they had no – Dan Orlovsky was their quarterback. That's And Matt Painter. That's what happened to Jim Caldwell in Indianapolis. So Caldwell is has got a pretty good resume, but, again, not a guy I was going to be excited about if they hired. Dan Quinn – I get the NFL. He has made him a hot commodity. Everyone talks about what he did in Dallas, and I get all that. But the bottom line still is Dan Quinn is a failed head coach. And, yeah, I know. Bill Belichick was once a failed head coach when he left the Cleveland Browns. So I get all that, and Dan Quinn could have been coming into his own and becoming learned from his mistakes and is coming in to be the, the next great head coach. But I still had trepidation about that. And, you know, and I've said this to some people. If I'm interviewing Dan Quinn, my first question is at 28 to 3, what mistake did you make? What right. what would you have done differently? Because Kyle Shanahan gets all the grief for that loss in that Super Bowl for some of the play calls and everything that, that he did. And that gets his name gets attached to that all the time. And he's part of it. And I get that. But Dan Quinn was in charge. Dan, that was Dan Quinn's team. And Dan Quinn, in my eyes, has the worst loss in the history of the NFL. I am not trying to speak uh, hyperbole. That is the worst in, in the biggest stage with a 25-point lead late in the third quarter. That is the worst loss in the history of the league. And I don't want my head coach with that in his back pocket. Right. That's just not, I'm just not interested. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to the head coaching stuff, Bill, I think the most complicated part is you talk about Dan Quinn. Seems like a guy who would just shine in an interview setting, even though his record might not suggest he's as good as uh, fans or as, as head coaching interviews would say he might be. The other side of the coin is a guy like Brian Dable, who still doesn't have a job, but maybe he's not the interview that us fans aren't in the room for. Hard to tell at this stage, given the finalists. I think they picked the right one. Like you said, I, I'm I'm also content. Please is a good word for it. Am I over the moon? I think I talked myself out of everybody, to be completely honest with I you. I think I'm the same way. I, but, I, looked at, I looked at all the negatives instead of the positives. Right. But I'm willing to give it a try, and we don't get a choice. So There you go. <laughs> Bears fans, that's it for us. Until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for hanging out with us.